Welcome to The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church at Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, the last several episodes, we've been discussing the book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Ranke. And we've been considering all of the different ways that Tony Ranke highlights our phones are changing us. Some ways that are not exactly how we want to be changed. Last week, we saw that we feed on the produced that we become what we like, and that our phones ironically make us lonely, and that we get comfortable in secret vices. If you haven't yet listened to part one and part two, I would recommend that you go do so now. Now today, uh, John and I are going to finish the conversation and talk around some practical steps we're going to take in light of what we've read in this book. I hope you enjoy. John, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, man. How's your day? Pretty good so far. Yeah? Yeah, it's nice and warm today. It's going to be a wonderful, like, 74 degrees, I think. Yeah, I'm not complaining one bit. Yeah, I'm kind of complaining. I like playing in the snow. I I wish for more snow, but it's all good. I like wearing sandals, too. Hey, let me ask you this. What was the most helpful thing from our discipleship series? that we did earlier this year. What's the thing? Maybe 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 it's two questions. One, what was most helpful for you personally? And then like if there's one thing you could reinforce that you would say again, what would it be? I think one of the most helpful things for me is just being reminded that discipleship is really a pretty slow, non-glamorous process hmm. that just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of frustration. And then I think one of the biggest takeaways just that I'd love to reinforce is that the, it happens within the local church. So. That's good. Yeah, I really appreciated Bryce's sermon and, and his connecting um, Paul's metaphor of a soldier, athlete, and farmer with the task of discipleship. I thought that was really helpful. And a really helpful reminder, like you said, of the, the kind of sometimes mundane, sometimes difficult, slow growth of discipleship, both in me and, you know, in those that I'm discipling and caring for and parenting and everything else. So, good. Um, so today we are concluding our uh, our series around the, the book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. What we're going to do today is we're going to provide summary and reflections on the last of the four ways that Ranky gives us. But then we're going we're gonna to talk about three practical takeaways from this book, three things that we want to do differently in light of what we have read. So uh, the, the ninth way that our phones are changing us, according to Ranky, is that we lose our meaning. Now, what does he mean when he says that we lose our meaning? Well, he starts by talking about how there are, I don't remember, 3.6 trillion words published a day or something like that, that on the internet. Bonkers. Absolutely insane number. But then he goes on and says, it's not just that there's so much information out there, but it's that we just kind of choose, we're just kind of oriented toward choosing a certain kind of information to take into us. And there's just more options out there now. So we like to take in the just kind of meaningless, um, ultimately useless information. And that we just kind of become addicted to it. Like he says, like it's like sweets. It's like junk food that we just, we can't stop eating it. And it's just constantly available to us. And someone's always holding it out in front of us. And we kind of lose our um, informational taste buds. Yeah. Uh, well, he used the phrase that I thought was really good, hyper palatable. Mm-hmm. And he kind of compared a lot of what the internet offers us to a deep fried Twinkie. Hmm. Like it's the hyper palatable. Nothing it's just... more palatable. Than a... <laughs> what sounds more appetizing than a deep fried <laughs> Twinkie? But 
that that idea like it, it is just so um so delicious um that it, it's hard to pass up and so much of the internet is built around making stuff just incredibly delicious and hard to pass up and it's like you said just pure junk food mm-hmm. so we yeah it kind of we become obsessed with what's immediate and novel and ultimately trivial and we kind of lose sight of the big questions and the big things right mm-hmm. uh, what is he what, what is his answer do what were some of his recommendations um, against being lost in the meaninglessness he pointed to Solomon um, and just the wisdom that Solomon offers in the Proverbs he talks about developing the the desire to identify and cherish wisdom and that and that's actually a discipline like the wisdom sounds like something that we would all just kind of flock to but the bible presents it as something that's kind of hard to find and you have to kind of seek after and work mm-hmm. for and he says that that's something that we especially as christians need to really discipline ourselves is in identifying what is actual wisdom and then cherishing that and just kind of developing our um our palate again and being able to figure out what is worth us spending our time in yeah that's good he says i love that he says we're lost in an aimless now in the explosion of novelty and we need to learn to cherish wisdom in in the midst of all of that that's good so the the ninth way that our phone is changing us is that we lose meaning the tenth way that our phone is changing us is that we fear missing out what does he mean by saying that we fear missing out well, it talks about FOMO, which we've kind of men- mentioned before, just this, this sense that there's something awesome going on somewhere and I wasn't invited to it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he actually uses a, he uses a phrase that he, I think he called it nomophobia, which is no mobile phone phobia hmm. or something. And it kind of relates. He said he had a quote in the previous chapter that says we're, we're afraid that the world's just going to mutate behind our backs if we're hmm. not watching it all the time. Um, and that's, I mean, we... Our phone just reinforced that because there's 3.6 trillion words published a day. And if we don't read our share of it, then we missed out. We missed the day. So, Yeah, he says that it kind of appeals to two uh, anxieties that are within all of us, a status anxiety and a disconnection anxiety, mm. that we have anxiety about being, like C.S. Lewis talks about the, the inner ring. And we all feel like there's some kind of inner ring that we're on the outside of. And that we just we always are wanting to progress into the inner ring, and and the internet and social media in particular just totally exploits that that status anxiety that each of us possesses. Mm-hmm. Um, he he talks about how this inflames the good old fashioned problem of envy. Mm-hmm. That um, that that's, envy has always been our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've always thought that we were on the outside looking in. He points to the story in the garden of how. Satan basically taps into some of these same impulses by saying that God is a God is an, an ugly God who's withholding from you, and he he has better for you, but he's not giving it to you. And, and Satan even knows that that's a key way to exploit our hearts is to go with envy um, and to kind of press his thumb there mm-hmm. on envy in comparison. Um, and, and what's his answer? What does he What does he recommend if we're to put off the fear of missing out? What do we What do we put on? He says to really kind of he he, he says that there is one. One legitimate FOMO, hmm. which is the fear of missing out on on the eternal joy of Christ. Hmm. Um, but he really does, I mean, kind of set us in that context of just reminding us there are there are things that that you can miss out on, and it's not a big deal. Hmm. You won't know a week from now the the meme that you missed out on that was a big deal this week. But there are eternal things, and he kind of just reorients us toward that, which I guess we'll get more into, especially in his his last point where we kind of lose our place in time, but. 
he just kind of tells us be grounded and remember where we're at now that's good I, i really love his point about there is such a thing as a legit fomo and that we need to replace the fear of missing out with the fear of missing out basically mm-hmm. um that the answer is life with god the source of all longings joy eternal bliss in christ um and i think it also relates to the previous answer the idea of learning to cherish wisdom like mm-hmm. there's something about learning as we learn what's good and we learn what's wise it just kind of i don't know maybe frees us from feeling like we need to to be at all the things mm-hmm. and have had all the experiences i don't know it just kind of gives yeah. us a a sense of like security mm-hmm. and, and not having to be ever present in, mm-hmm. in, in the inner circle. Uh, the 11th thing that he mentions is that we become harsh with one another. Now, what does he mean by we become harsh with one another? He asks a question and he says, how should we handle the sins and weaknesses of the people around us? And he says that's a really important question for just a human being to be able to understand when we live in a world full of sinful and weak people. But technology, and we've talked about this kind of over and over again, but it just allows us to jump to quick conclusions about people and allows us to say harsh things to people without any uh, real-life repercussions on us, or so we think. Hmm we're able to lash out on people that will probably never meet in person on the internet or see uh, a celebrity do something and think that's absolutely ridiculous and begin to form just kind of judgmental, harsh opinions about others. And the danger in that is that that begins to bleed into our real life. You know, as we act on the internet, when we, where we think we're in private, it begins to shape the way that we speak to others. Mm. Have you watched the show Black Mirror? I've watched a few episodes and they disturb me. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't recommend it necessarily. But there is one. There is one episode that, if I if I recall correctly, there's this. It's basically, it's like these nano tech bumblebee swarms, or something like that. And, and basically, these things are unleashed on uh, prominent figures. Um, who express maybe some kind of opinion that's not um, uh, in keeping with the ethos of the day, and so this someone anonymously releases this like these nanotech bumblebees, and they go and kill the, mm. the prominent figure. And it's kind of a kind of an on the nose, but pretty straightforward. Um, I think application of this principle mm. is the tendency to like to swarm on people. We think of them as avatars mm-hmm. and as characters and not people. And so we, we troll or we naysay or we gossip or we yeah. indulge in false speech and we misrepresent them mm-hmm. with tons of ease because it feels so consequence-free, as you mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. He used a Spurgeon quote that the easiest work in the world yeah. is fault-finding. Yeah, that's a fantastic quote. So, so good. It's yeah. so true. I think that's where it's particularly applicable when we think about our life in the church is that gossip is a really easy thing to do. Hmm. And that he actually makes the point that slander isn't just insulting or, or, or telling lies about someone, but it's it's doing those things in order to belittle people, hmm. in order to, to assume the worst about them and present something that might be kind of true, but then divorce it from, from everything else that's going on and just say, and that's why this person is awful. Mm. And that's really easy for us to do, um, especially when we, you know, we see people do things that we don't like. Um, and it's really easy for us to begin to harbor that in our hearts and even let that bleed into, into the body. Mm. 
lose any sense of charity or benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And the last way that he says that we, that our phones change us is that he says we lose our place in time. Now, what does he mean by that? He uses a great illustration where he says uh, life online is like a whiplash between terrible, sad stories that are really depressing and then just hilarious, funny stories and then pointless, dumb memes and then your grandma sending a message to you on accident. And My that's... grandma just texted me just like five minutes ago. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, grandma. Was Hope it whiplashing for you? It, it, was, it was not. It was yeah. just catch up with grandma. Yeah, that's good. But his point is that we we can see 12 different stories that, that it causes different emotional reactions within us within 15 seconds yeah and that that actually it doesn't just it doesn't just numb our our responses to those things but actually kind of divorces us from experiencing things in real time uh, he uses the example of in Ecclesiastes where it says there's a season for this and there's a season for that. And he says now in the, the online age, all the mm. seasons are coming too quickly. They all come at once. And how that's actually, that goes against our creatureliness. Mm, that's good. He says, uh, he, he quotes one author who says that we become anti-teleological, mm. which is kind of just a pretentious way of saying pointless. We just kind of become pointless. Like our lives lose any kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. We just kind of exist mm-hmm. and we're kind of pulled to and fro by the funny memes or the tragic stories or the heartwarming videos of puppies when the soldier gets home you know mm-hmm. whatever else mm-hmm. um, he then he kind of concludes with uh, this chapter and, and really the whole book um, by talking about uh, the nothing strategy from screw tape letters so um, C.S. Lewis writes the screw tape letters and it's kind of a, a way of portraying or exposing the um, uh what would you say, strategies of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And he, he talks about the nothing strategy, which is basically to get us to spend our days doing nothing, to just kind of fritter our days away. And um, he, he said, we, do we really want to look back on our days and, and realize that our days are the things that constitute weeks, which make months, which makes years, which makes lifetimes? Do we want to spend our days doing nothing that I ought to have done or liked doing? Do we want to spend our days away frittering on a glowing rectangle? Hmm. And I think that's, I mean, that's really powerful. And yeah. that's, a, that's a really powerful question. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd add to that? Yeah, he just asked the question, am I entitled to spend uh, my days feeding on meaninglessness? Mm. Like, is that a human right that I possess? And mm. if it's not, then that's something that we need to kill within us, which is a really somber note and a really challenging one. To yeah, own. that's good. That's really good. That is really, really good. Really helpful and really challenging. Now, this book, we kind of said it in the first episode, but this book made me want to, like Teddy Roosevelt, just like throw my phone and the book out the window in disgust uh, on occasion. Um, however, that is not an option for me because I, I was I was thinking about this and, I, and I've kind of thought about going to a dumb phone or like a mildly intelligent phone for some time. But I love audiobooks and I love podcasts and it's really helpful to have... And I mean, I'm in a thousand group texts at any given moment. And not only that, but things like Evernote and my Gmail calendar and task management and all that stuff. It is helpful at the mm-hmm. end of the day to have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And Tony Ranke kind of concludes yep. that as well. Yeah, he yeah. actually has a smartphone. He yeah. lets us know. In the yeah, last yeah, he kind of confesses that. Yeah, um, it's more helpful than not, at least at this point. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying today. But there's three practical things that I'm going to do in light of reading this book. The first thing is that uh, I, I'm deleting all of my social media. Lord willing, for good. 
Um, I've tried the restricting it and only at times, and that just doesn't get the job done for me. So I, I'm I'm deleting it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need social media. It just I just don't need it. Uh, the second thing is I want to think about my phone as purely logistical, and in particular, texting is is just a means to facilitate real interaction. I'm not going to think about texting or email as interaction. It doesn't count. It is purely logistical. It's for plan making. It's for brief touches. And I'm going to try and push all of my real interactions into the real world. And my phone just kind of helps me do that. I'm mm-hmm. going to try that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing for, for Emily and I, we're going to do no phones in our bedroom. So we're going to leave our phone on our kitchen counter. We're going to get a real alarm clock. And, and make do, this? I, I think so. I think so. Probably. Um, so we're not going to have any phones in our bedroom. So that we're not tempted to look at it first thing in the morning. We're not tempted to look at it laying in bed. We're not tempted to... Um, look at it in the middle of the night. We're just going to leave it out of our bedroom. And, and then really kind of in a way, like maybe kind of honor the marriage bed, what Hebrews 13 says in, in a way, like we can kind of be chaste and honor marriage and that we just say, this is a, we're going to keep the world out of our space. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going to give that a try. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? What are the what are the practical takeaways that you're going to implement? Yeah, I have three three things that I want to kind of aspire to, and that that this book can help me think through. One was just kind of assessing my tendencies, um, my kind of sinful tendencies, the things that I tend to um, drift toward when I'm left to my own devices, and how my online and my my phone habits aggravate those or feed those, and just just get clear on on what is what is driving that? Not that the phone is ultimately the cause of those things, but how is my heart taking a hold of the things that, that are around me and using those things to continue those tendencies within me? Um, second was, I want to get really, really clear, kind of like what you were saying, on what my responsibilities are. Like, what am I called to be in this season of life um, as a student, as a, as a pastoral resident? And then like John Piper says in, in, in the foreword of the book, how is the phone, how's any technology a tool toward that end? Mm. Um, get a lot of clarity on, on how the phone actually helps me in those things and then do everything I can to kind of minimize everything else that the phone offers to That's me. Good. Um, it's almost like just having a, like an actual physical tool and then just stripping away everything that I don't use on it. You know, yeah. having a Swiss Army knife and then realizing I really only need a bottle opener right now and cutting that's back, really you know. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and then finally, the thing that, that it really left me with was just the desire to just intentionally be present with other people. Um, when we have folks into our home or when I go somewhere else, leave my phone in the car, um, leave my phone on the kitchen counter, and just try to be intentionally have times where I'm not with my phone is not in my hand. It's not in my pocket. And eventually I'll forget about it so I can pay attention to the people that are directly around me. And then I hope that that, that can begin to just kind of find the way Taylor and I kind of carry out our carry out our home, carry out um, the things that go on in our home and kind of offer rest to those who kind of come around us. That's great, man. That's really good. And and just to be clear, this is this is where John and I have landed. We're not saying that this is um, all Christians should act in this way or whatever. Do it now. Yeah. Throw the phone out the window. Yeah, we're just saying this is kind of where we are in light of this. I think a good way to, to land the plane would be just to remind us that John 1 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that it is important for us that we see 
phones as a, as a helpful tool, but ultimately we are called to be people in places and at times. Um, and then called to, call to embody and, and demonstrate the love of Christ there. So thank you for listening. Um, as always, we hope that you rate us on iTunes, subscribe, share with your friends, and we will talk with you next time. Thanks. <laughs>